0: Welcome to the Journeys of Scientists podcast. This is a podcast put out by WAMPS, which stands for Women and Minorities in the Physical Sciences. We are a graduate student organization at Michigan State University. I am Brian Stanley. I am a graduate student in the physics department at MSU. The purpose of this podcast is to talk with other graduate students at MSU and other universities to get a sense of the type of research they do, but also learn about life as a graduate student, both within and outside the classroom or research lab. If you or someone else you know are interested in participating in the Journeys of Scientists podcast, you can email me at the email below in the show notes, or you can visit the WAMPS website, which is www.wamps.org, and you can send us a message there. This week we were joined by Gabby Belarjan from the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife at Michigan State. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Gabby. Can you briefly introduce yourself? What do you study in in the such?
1: Yeah, so as you said, um, I'm Gabby. I'm going to be a second-year master's student here at Michigan State. Um, I'm in the Quantitative Fisheries Center, and so we do a lot of like mathematical modeling and stock assessments of fish in the Great Lakes that are of interest to managers. So I was brought on specifically to do a project for Lake Huron, looking at the predator-prey dynamics there, Um, so that's what I've been working on. Um, I also kind of have a side project of um, looking at like white fish, doing a similar stock assessment for them.
0: Very nice. Where's Lake Huron?
1: Yeah, it is in Northern Michigan. It also shares like it. So it goes in the U S and Canada. So it's actually, it's managed by three different entities. Cause you have the tribal body authority that manages part of the lake. And then you have Michigan Department of natural resources. And then you have Ontario like Ministry of Resources or something like that.
0: So yeah. very nice. so very you said you're a second year?
1: Yeah, so I just finished my first year.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Okay, very cool. So are you doing like research and classes at the same time?
1: Yeah, so like during the semester, I was. And then in the summer, it's just, just research, basically. Um, and I'll go back to classes and research in the fall and spring.
0: Okay. So when you're doing like these you know predator prey like dynamics like what does that actually like mean or look like?
1: <laughs> yeah okay. So the simplest way to understand it this is this gonna sound like very. I'm gonna go to like a kindergarten level of like big Perfect. fish eat little fish. That's why I need. <laughs> yeah. and so my job is that in like Huron there was an event about 20 years ago where all like the little fish, the prey fish you know, they totally just disappeared. And so then that caused issues for like the predator fish, the big fish, because if there's no food to eat, then obviously like your population isn't going to do well. And those predator fish are really popular for like the fisheries in Lake Huron, like commercial and recreational. And so that's kind of like where a lot of the money around the lake is generated. And so you obviously like want to be able to manage the fishery so that you have a healthy amount of prey to support a healthy population of predator fish so that they can actually like be fished from the lake.
0: Okay. So like I can think of like similar situations of like land animals of like deer or like wolves and something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, so that like I kind of understand the math of how they do it, but I also know like, Oh, you'll, you'll see like, Oh, they like tag their ears or like, you know, maybe like a goose or something has something around it. How do you do that with like, fish or aquatic things
1: yeah so i'll just go for in my case we don't like actually tag any of the fish though like other areas of study they mm-hmm. do um so for my project basically every year like michigan and ontario take like these trawl surveys so trawls when you have like a giant net that gets dragged by a boat and you just kind of count everything that comes up in your net and that net is dragged for like a certain amount of time and a certain like distance so it's it's even every time so i use the numbers from these trawl surveys where it tells me in each year about how many fish they think were in the lake of each species so then if you see like oh this year um so they also age them or um so they take measurements of length and age when they get these fish and so you can kind of see like populations shift over time so say there was a lot of really old fish for a few years and then there was only really young fish. And so you want a healthy population to be like, you have both young and old fish because that's important to like maintain it in the future. So that's the kind of data I look at. And then I do some fancy math on top of that to get a good understanding of what's going on.
0: Okay, very cool. How did you get like interested in this in this field?
1: Yeah, it's so a good question. Um, everyone's always surprised because I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, which as you know, has no water, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the desert. So it's very, like, sounds cheesy, but, like, I got very into shark week at a young age, and then from then, I just was, like, really interested in marine life and science, and so my parents did just an awesome job fostering that, like, throughout my childhood, and, like, during high school, um, I got to actually, like, take biology classes and everything. And then I went to Roger Williams University in Rhode Island, the ocean state. And I went for marine biology and I came out also with an applied math degree. So um, that's kind of where I am now for fisheries is during my undergrad, though like, I love marine bio and you know, I used to work in a lab where I did a lot of like fish and marine life husbandry. And that's super cool from like an ecology standpoint. Um, if you have the math skills, Like it makes you can do really powerful research to actually understand like changes that are going on in the ecosystem. So that's where kind of like math and marine bio are married. And that's where I'm at now here at Michigan state in the quantitative fishery center.
0: Oh, super cool. So like, I don't know much about like biology or like marine, you know, also I've, you know, was originally from Tucson and then lived in Colorado. So I like, I'm not very, um, I've been very landlocked, (laughs) um, so, but I think of, well, if you're going to do marine stuff, any of the schools on the coast seem like good places. Why yeah. Rhode Island? Why? <laughs> what brought you there?
1: Yeah. So like coming out of high school, I was just very fixed on this idea that like I would get a degree in marine biology, not biology with like a marine science track. Like I want in marine biology. And there's actually very few schools who do that. So um, right, I also... In Arizona, I went to a, a smaller high school and I really enjoyed that and being close with my classmates and my teachers. And then I kind of wanted to replicate that experience. So I chose, you know, a small liberal, art, liberal arts school, which is Roger Williams. It's like literally right on the water. And so like all my labs were super hands-on. They also have an awesome uh, marine ornamental aquaculture program. So that's like a wet lab situation. Um, so I think I just checked enough boxes for me that I went with Rhode Island, a place I had never been before.
0: <laughs> okay. So what does like uh, a hands-on sort of like lab look like if you're there kind of the ocean? Because I imagine, you know, like the ocean of Rhode Island is very different than if you're in like Florida.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely... Rhode Island is like literally just like a bunch of islands and then like a small yeah. like mass. So you have just like a lot of... You have a lot of bay Um, instead of like pure ocean, I guess. So like Mm -hmm. my school was on Mount Hope Bay, just part of Narragansett Bay. And so what's cool in there is that in different seasons, you'll have different things. So like, um, juvenile fish will be there in the spring or like fish will come in to spawn and then leave again in the summer. And so a lot of times we would take like different types of, of nets out. So you could do like a beach seine or a trawl and kind of collect fish count them and like there are just so many more fish than you ever think because you could be standing in the water and be like oh like i don't feel anything and then your net will show you there's like been like hundreds of fish that you just walked past um so there's there's a lot of like going into the field and like doing some surveys um i think that would, that would be like the main thing i'm thinking about when i say that
0: okay do you have like a favorite fish Aquatic Um, animal.
1: I really, hmm, I really like whale sharks. Like it's it's a dream to to go dive with a whale shark. Whale shark.
0: That sounds like it would be big.
1: It is. It's like the biggest shark, but they're very gentle. They just eat phytoplankton.
0: Okay. Phytoplankton. That's is that the same thing that like whales eat?
1: Oh, uh, whales eat krill.
0: Krill. So I knew that. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're a little. They're a little different. They're both really small. <laughs> yes.
0: Sorry, my my Finding Nemo knowledge was <laughs> yeah. was getting there. Um, very cool. So, okay, so if you're doing like this marine stuff, are you interested in like primarily fish, or is there like you know like you know because I think of coral or like other mm-hmm. you know like plant life that's in the ocean or even like aquatic mammals, you know, like a dolphin or something, not that there's a lot of dolphins in Rhode Island, but you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I've be- always been on like the fish track. Like I definitely marine mammals Yeah, I don't really care that much. I mean, I care about them in a general sense, but I, like, I would never like take a position doing research on them. Um, I-, I was very close to doing something with like algae because I took a class that was a mandatory class and it was just really cool. The lab work for, for algae is actually really cool. You get to look on like at a lot of things under the microscope and you have to go out and actually collect all your specimens. Like that's pretty cool. That you get to go in the field, but I decided not to do that. And um, so, yeah, for me, it's very much like about fish, you know, eventually I would like to do research on like top predator fish. So like sharks and rays or tuna, you know, like, these kind of like big, bigger fish that play a pretty dominant role in the
0: ecosystem. Okay, Very cool. And so then I think you also said that you doubled majored in math too, right?
1: Yeah. Applied math.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what brought on the, the, the math major? Like I I see how you got the bio major. (laughs) Um.
1: Um, Short answer is I was strongly encouraged to do that. So basically like, because I was at a small school, like, Every professor I had, I had, like, you know, some type of, like, mentor-like relationship with, and so they would kind of see what I would do well on in their classes, and, like, I could do pretty well on a lot of, like, the analysis-type stuff or things that involve math that, like, other students maybe were not too fond of, and so I also came in with a, a lot of, like, college credit, like, going into college, um, so I could have graduated early if I didn't do the second degree, And so they were kind of like, well, you know, take this math class and take this one and like, at minimum, you'll have a minor. And then I enjoyed those classes. And um, the math department also was like, pretty fond that they had like a crossover student. And so I ended up just also getting like a second degree in applied math, which at the end of the day, the research I was doing as an undergrad, as well as now, like, having the support of like a formal math training um, in order to really understand all of the equations you used in like, like ecology to describe those relationships it comes in like very handy.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, that's, I, I agree. Like uh, that's really cool that you're able to like do the, like this kind of like interdisciplinary, like crossover type of thing. Cause at least like when I took math classes, like I remember Diffie like we did, you know, one of the go-to like examples is like, oh, you have wolves and bunnies or something like that. Yeah. How do the populations change like that? But then just from talking to like a lot of bio people that I've I've known, it seems like, oh, they don't do as much math, you know, stuff. Or it's like it's not as um prevalent, which I just kind of found interesting. Like our examples were always kind of like this biological sort of examples.
1: Yeah. I think that's changing a little bit now because i think coding has become a really big part of like what you need to do to be an ecologist like you're not like running things in excel anymore and but that is a steep learning curve for a lot of people including myself (laughs) um to even just to transition like math into like code instead of like you know typing an equation excel or whatever and so yeah because like you mentioned like they always give classic examples of like biological phenomena but then that same example is not given in like the biology class or not given until you get to like an upper level. So, but I think more and more that interdisciplinary approach is like gonna be shown a little bit earlier in studies. So
0: very cool. What kind of what kind of pro I am terrible at programming? <laughs> like I, I can do a little bit in R and that's about it. Like what does like your what was your experience with with R. coding or at least learning? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, that was, it was a painful experience, um, to start. And I guess I'm on better terms with it now. So like in undergrad, my, my research mentor at the time was like, okay, you need to learn to code. So go figure out how to learn to code in Python and get back to me in two weeks. And we'll start like coding for your project. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I have never coded in my life. I don't even know like where to start. So it was like, a lot of just kind of like reading and getting familiar with like that realm of things. It is like very different if you've never seen it before. And then, so that was all very self-taught. Then I would watch him and like some of his research buddies code, like live code. I'd pick a lot lot up just like syntax wise and how things are supposed to be done by like watching other people code, which sounds very nerdy, I think, but that's, that's how I learned. And then I, also, for an internship, I had to learn R, and so I got, like, the basics in R done to that internship, and then once I got to Michigan State, that was the first time, so this past year, that was the first time I took an actual course that, like, told me how to, like, code in R, <laughs> um, and so now I do a lot in R, and then for these stock assessments, which are the basis of my project, um, there are different programs, so, like, it's called, like, AD Model Builder or, like, Template Model Builder, so... The the core code for that is actually in C, which is a different language. So yeah, I don't I'm not I don't I wouldn't say I'm very good at any of that, but I know I have to use it. So yeah,
0: yeah. It's a it's a growing thing. It seems like now everyone, everyone is a coder or at least a semi. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Did you um, I just saw in your bio that you did like an REU? Could you explain like a little bit about your experience there?
1: Yeah, so that was, like, the NSF funds these, like, research experience for undergrads, REU, and I got super lucky. I did it in between sophomore and junior year of college, and um, it was the first time this specific REU had, like, been run, and it was, it was called, like, Global Ocean Biology or something like that. It's at University of California, Santa Barbara, And basically there was eight of us. We all essentially lived together. So there was, you know, four girls, four guys. They kind of tried half of us, half of them were from California, half of them were from other regions of the US. Um super fun group. And basically like it was an eight or 10 week internship where you kind of like played grad student, you know, you got to do your own project. So I did mine. On the functional response of Pacific rock crabs, which is an understudied species that live in like the intertidal zone um, in Southern California, and functional response just means like how do you characterize like the rate that they eat their food, and like how does that determine their role in the ecosystem, and how does that affect like the prey populations? So you can see a similarity here. Like that's kind of where I started to really dive into like the predator-prey dynamic type of work. And that was cool. I got to do a lot of um, field research and lab research. I had to keep all my like crabs that I got from the wild like in tanks, mm-hmm. which proved uh, more difficult than one may assume about keeping crabs in the tanks. And escape a lot. Yeah, I had f- quite a few escapees. I think I only lost like one because <laughs> if they're out of the water too long, like they will dry out and die. I don't know why they left their like cushy habitat I gave them, but a lot of times I had to, like, I also had, like, split tanks up because I only had, like, limited lab space, so I had to, like, make one tank work for a few different crabs, and um, so you- they would, like, try to, like, get to each other and, like, destroy my, like, barriers that I built them. Anyways, but, I mean, it's kind of fun to have to problem solve like that. Um, but yeah, so I-, I got to kind of do, like, a mini thesis project in those eight weeks, but I think most importantly, like, I got to know, like, the labs there and um but relationships like the people I worked with.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I I had also done I did a couple of REUs when I was an undergrad and I really enjoyed them. And one of the things so that I liked a lot, I was like, you know, yeah, I gotta go someplace different that, you know, I wasn't I hadn't been at before. And I gotta meet the cool people from all over. Um and all the research stuff was great, but then we went on like adventures, you know outside yeah you know go explore whatever like how, how was kind of your experience you know like going to this other place you know you know research and stuff but like did you go on any other adventures
1: yeah okay this was like the, that was like the bulk of my time there so it's so funny they didn't mention that at first but um yeah so I mean being from Arizona, like you visit uh, California a lot in the summer. So like, I, I was very familiar with like the atmosphere and like the place I was going to be at, but I, I was super excited. Cause like I always kind of wanted to live there. And so I got to like live in California for a summer, which is awesome. And so like we had formal and like informal adventures, so, like formally, like the program, I think it was like every two weeks or something we did like some outing. Um, we went to like Monterey Bay Aquarium which was a really long drive from Santa Barbara so that was super cool um we went to like some some of the state parks and like helped with like collecting like data from like intertidal zones or you know so some of those type things or like we had a symposium. Um, And then, like, just as, like, the community of these eight people who, like, did not know each other, who are now, like, living together, also in the same boat of, like, okay, everyone's going to do some high-level research during the summer, which you may not have ever had exposure to before, and you're in a new place. Um, We definitely took advantage of, like, the Santa Barbara area, and, you know, we all had bikes, and, like, we would go to the beach all the time, or we would just kind of, like, always be doing something new and different, like, maximizing our time there which I think is just like a great mindset to have if you're somewhere new for a set amount of time. So thanks. Definitely a lot of adventures. <laughs>
0: yes. Lots of adventures. Very cool. Um, when you were in undergrad, um, were okay. So you mentioned you had like done classes and stuff. Um, were, did you also do like research like during that time where you're like a part of a lab?
1: Yeah. So As an undergrad, I started doing research like that at the end of freshman year. Um, I was involved in like a few different projects, but I, when I started, so the story of this is that I attended a lecture that was like given at my school at like these like weekly seminar things. Um, And the person giving the lecture was Dr. Andy Ryan. And so, he does a lot of work on the marine aquarium trade, um, which is very, like, understudied and data deficient, but can have some, like, very real impacts on coral reefs, which, as you probably know, is, like, an ecosystem a lot of people are worried about. And so, kind of at the end of his talk, like, I raised my hand, and I was like, okay, so is there any, like, app out there that will tell you if the aquarium fish that you want to buy is sustainable? Because there is that for food fish. You can go to seafood watch and it can like tell you what the sustainability ranking of a given fish is. And he was like, no, but come talk to me afterwards. And so I did. And I was like a freshman. And he was like, okay, well, do you want to build this app? And I was like, what? And he was like, okay, like do some research, and like come back to me with your ideas and so, like, that was the start of, like, my senior thesis, which is now published, which, like, has gotten me where I am. And so, yeah, like, I, I kind of developed a math model for, like, determining if an aquarium fish is sustainable. Um, and so, and I got introduced to, like, the marine aquarium trade, like, realm of research through that. And I also helped with a few other, like, marine aquarium trade-related projects with, like, developing like an analytical chemistry test for cyanide poisoning in fish and a few other like little side projects. So yeah, I was in Andy's lab and he does some marine aquarium trade stuff.
0: Super cool. That's, that's super interesting. Um, Okay. So, okay. So you're doing, you know, all this research stuff you're doing class, you're double majoring. Um, (laughs) Were you a part of like any clubs, organizations or like extracurriculars or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, so, I also, like, have an interest in history, and so, like, a few semesters, like, I overloaded my credits to, like, take some history courses, and through that, I, like, kind of did some, I'd say, like, outreach type projects, so, um, like, one of my spring breaks, I went to Navajo Nation and did a, like, service learning project and so it was all community led, you know, we showed up and they kind of had projects for us. They shared their culture. And so that that's sort of like a side interest, I guess, or like extracurricular thing I did. It was like very impactful to me as a person and like, you know, like indigenous environmental rights is something I'd love to work on in the future. Um, also, I was part of the multicultural student union. I was like on the electoral board for that. And so we mainly like there, I helped kind of support and get some initiative going for changing Columbus day to indigenous people's day um, on our campus. And by the end of my time there, it it was formally changed, but it was a pretty long battle with administration there, Um, you know, and kind of being like in that kind of position in a school. um, It teaches you a lot about like how to organize events and such. So I think those were the main things besides kind of being in various labs over time. That I
0: did. Very, very interesting. When you came here to MSU, if this was your first year, then it was entirely virtual, right? Correct. Yeah. So are you even actually here in Michigan?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was like very hopeful last fall. And I was also like excited that I got to do a master's. And so I moved to Michigan like last fall. And then I was in like lockdown like three times. And so then when I came home for Christmas, I stayed home. Um, and yeah, so the spring and summer I've been in New Hampshire. So Okay.
0: So how is how is how was your first year of, of grad school getting get, like that that's just very very hard? Were you able to at least like meet other people in your cohort at least, you know, via Zoom or like other things or
1: yeah so one of my goals I guess of like doing that move to Michigan is like I wanted the the grad school kind of community for like fisheries and wildlife um and so another girl Liz Debbins was brought on at the same time in my same lab and so like we got to meet each other um and I got to meet most of like the people in my lab at some point like because I moved when it was still warm out and so you could do like outdoor gatherings and stuff and like small groups and so I definitely like did get to bond with like a lot of people in fisheries and wildlife. And I felt part of the community and I felt like I had people I could reach out to if I needed anything. So that was, that was really great. Um, and I obviously still have those connections and I'm excited to like see them when I come back in this fall. Um, but it, it definitely like was difficult. I think mostly with classes, because I think it's it was harder to meet people in classes because like I had an in with the lab and then they could like show me people that they knew, but like with classes, I wasn't just gonna be like, Oh, hi. Like, I think um, we should work together or like, Oh, would you like to, you can't like go grab coffee after, after class anymore. So it was, that was more difficult to meet people. I think.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah that's, that's a hard time, but hey, maybe in person this fall.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I hope, I really hope. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah about like how do you have a rough idea of like at least how big your like cohort is going in like is there a lot of people
1: well so for fisheries and wildlife i think there was like i don't know like i really i don't want to say the wrong number at there was like this one in-person event that was supposed to be our like orientation that was in person and i'd say there was like 30 people but I have okay. no idea how representative that is of the total number of people.
0: Okay. So that's a decent sized number. Yeah. I've, I've met, um, multiple like doing this podcast, so I've had on like multiple people from fisheries and wildlife and they've all been, been super great. So I'm sure like when you do like meet them in person, they're all like yeah. super friendly and awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're a master's program, right? Right. Okay, so yep. is that roughly like two years of classes and research ish?
1: Yeah, I'm hoping to defend my thesis like next summer because I also have the fellowship. So it wouldn't be this the spring, but I, it's going to get bumped the summer for me because I have like that little bit of extra workload.
0: Oh, okay. And so with yeah. your fellowship, does that kind of give you like free reign on like what you choose your project to be?
1: Well, to get the fellowship, you had to like have a research proposal for a very specific project already done. And that was kind of part of like the admission or the selection process. And so I'm doing it on Lake Whitefish in like one specific management unit, like updating their stock assessment. So hopefully it's like more accurate for managers to go off of.
0: Okay. And so then, okay. So like you did your classes online. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that I was focusing on this part, but like, uh-huh. <laughs> like I understand how like how classes. I think we can't get how that worked, but like your lab stuff, like how how is how did that like go over like during during the during the virtual times? <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I think I mean obviously what isn't going to be better in person, but mm-hmm. I mean I think so. I met with my advisor like once a week and I actually have two advisors so I met with both of them like every other week and so like there was definitely like a good amount of communication there and um we have like lab meetings that are like on zoom and things like that so I mean I got set up with my project basically and like step by step they've kind of like helped me out still but it's one of those things where I think it is going a little bit slower because one, like you don't have an office space. Like it gets really old working at home, especially like when the weather's nicer and um, you can't just like kind of go over and be like, Oh, can you look at this like one line of code right now or something like that? And instead it takes like days. And so that obviously kind of slows things down a bit. And I, I don't know, for me, there's like a lack of accountability a little bit or just being all online, like, and you know, not even being in like any kind of workspace with other people. So I think that's a, just a challenge everyone's probably been facing during the online times.
0: Okay. Did you develop like any like hobbies or, or anything that you did to kind of like keep you a little sane, like while you're, you're trapped in your apartment or whatever?
1: Well, I adopted two cats. So um, <laughs>
0: Where are their names?
1: Um, Hubble and Bagheera.
0: Awesome. Fantastic! Can't go wrong with cats.
1: yeah no, I got them as little kittens. They're all grown now.
0: Oh, oh, very nice, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> ah, super, super cool. Okay, so this is kind of like, um, I'm sorry, I have your 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 bio thing like up oh, right yeah. here, and uh, I I just glanced over and I saw this really cool thing. You said you did a study abroad in Panama. Oh yes, that's um, true. Uh, yeah,
1: that was probably like another highlight of undergrad. As you can kind of, the theme here is like I did a lot in undergrad. I really yes,
0: I want, I want to see, I want to hear the highlights of undergrad. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So it was a course. So it was a short term study abroad. So it was just for like the winter semester. I don't know if other schools have like winter semesters, but it's um, like a month. And so part of it was in Rhode Island. It was the course was neotropical marine biology yes um and so there was two instructors from like roger williams my school and they give you like basically a semester's worth of information in two weeks that's what that is and you have to like learn how to id all the fish and the corals and things like that and then um, we all fled panama there was like i think it was like 10 of us or something and then once we were in panama um two students from university of panama Uh, joined us and so they were like very they had limited like English so they were Spanish speaking and Panama Spanish speaking country Uh, on that trip only one professor myself and one other person spoke Spanish um, in addition to English so that was being one of the only like dual lingual lingual like people on that trip like I was kind of in charge of like, befriending these people, and um, there's a lot of logistics involved, because in our time, as nice, we flew into Panama City, then we went to, um, like, so part of Panama is, like, you can kind of think about it as, as, like, a reservation, but it's actually, like, more than that, it's just, like, owned by, like, the indigenous people, um, and that's um, the gunyala and so then they have, like, this whole island chain as well, and so, like, we drove and then like went through another like security check essentially like at the gunayala border and then we were like with them we stayed on on their islands um which was super fun like like you know sand floor like you're you're literally on an island and then every day we'd go out on the boats and we'd snorkel for like six hours and we each had like a little mini project while we were there mine was like coral reef fish surveys for like species and abundance and so I took a lot of videos of fish. Um, and so, you know, you just learned ID species. A lot of people had like never been snorkeling in the ocean like that. Um, it was cool. We saw a fair amount of sharks. And then I also got seasick every day, which was, you know, super awesome, as you can imagine. And then we like go back then. So that's the, the Atlantic side. And so Panama has like an Atlantic and a Pacific um, and so we went all over to the Pacific or, so, yeah, the Pacific side. We stayed on this, like really awesome Island, um, that's, um, is, like kind of like a research center in a sense. Um, but also like the son of like the Fiat executive owns it and it's like really bougie, but like, that's not the part that you're on, but he has like a mansion on it. It was very interesting crossover of things. And we kind of did the same thing of like a lot of boat trips and like learning about, the ecosystem there. Cause they've had some like very severe declines in coral reefs. And why is that like, how can it be better managed? And you've got like a pretty good taste of the fisheries that exist there as well. And just, um, they have some national Marine parks that we got to go to and we got to, we got pulled over a few times, our passports checked and, you know, a lot of like good, good adventures, good stories from that. Um, I mean, so that was awesome. I'm going to be not in the water all day. You really can't beat that as a Marine bio student. <laughs>
0: It sounds very exciting. <laughs> very cool. Well, all right. Sort of like wrapping things up here. Like, do you have any, you know, from your experience, like any tips of wisdom or like suggestions of maybe people thinking about applying to grad school or, they were, or recently got into grad school, navigating that first year uh, or anything like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think as far as like deciding if, you know, if grad school is for you or not, um, I definitely would say do master's, not a PhD first. I kind of thought going into this that I would definitely be doing a PhD and, you know, that's not the case. So I'm like, I'm pretty happy that I'm doing a master's because um, you just really like, if you're going to do your PhD, you need to like love that wholeheartedly. Um, and so it has to be the perfect fit. And like I would say, don't settle. Like when you're applying, if, you know, you're applying one year and nothing that's perfect comes along, like I would just wait because it's a huge investment of your time. It also will be like the basis of your career. So um, I think just really finding like what gets you excited research wise, because research will be a big part of it. Um, and also finding like a lab culture that you definitely click with is super important. And yeah, um, Yeah, I mean, I think balancing classes and research and also like making connections with fellow grad students is all super important once you're into grad school.
0: Very nice. I think that's that's great advice. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and doing this. It was fun talking with you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.